Hey, what's up, y'all? I'm out here with Hatch. Another episode of Built By. Hope you're doing awesome today. Quick plug. So if you're out at RoofCon this week, make sure you stop by our booth. So we're with our partners, ANGI, booth number 704. I say hey to Andrew. Make sure you enter for that free Yeti. Booth 704, make sure you stop by and say hey. So I had an interesting conversation this week with one of our financing partners, Hearth. I actually co-hosted a webinar with Sarah Kreps over there. She's the director of business development. And we dove into a lot of things around financing, but specifically how to use it as a sales and marketing tool and how to leverage financing when you're talking to homeowners. And I thought it was a fascinating discussion and, and it, it really occurred to me. I don't know if you've seen this a lot lately, but almost everything now that you pay for online, you can finance in some form or fashion. So you've probably seen a firm. If you try to buy something on Amazon, that'll pop up. You can pay in installments. There's new startups that try to get you to pay installments for like shoes and, and other stuff, basically putting an entire generation in debt, but that's all another conversation we won't <laughs> talk about in this podcast. But for home improvement projects, it makes sense because these are high value projects and maybe the homeowner can't pay for it at this moment. And giving homeowners another way to pay for the project is a way for you to get paid up front. And it's a way to present monthly payment options if they can't afford that project right now. So becoming that trusted authority becoming that resource, becoming that you know person that they want to do business with rather than they have to do business with you because you were the cheapest option. I harp on it all the time, but anything that gives you an edge in your sales and marketing, you should definitely look into. So I bring this up for two reasons, because one, I'm going to drop the webinar and the links on this landing page. Make sure you go watch that if you are just curious about financing, if it's even feasible for you to add it right now. Uh, and if you do have it or if you want it, how to really effectively weave it into your sales process. The second thing is I wanted to highlight this episode that our CEO, Chris Beige, did uh, when he joined their uh, podcast, The Change Order. I think they're up to two episodes now. Really good podcast. Go check it out if you're interested in financing at all or just general home improvement. So this is episode two of The Change Order, a podcast that Hearth does. Uh, they feature our co-founder and CEO, Chris Beige. Overall, I think it's a great episode. I think you really enjoy it. This is a podcast for home improvement and home services marketing. This is Built By. But you've got to be adaptable. You've got to find a way to accommodate an uncomfortable customer. If you're not getting the home advisor leads in the first five minutes, you shouldn't even do it. Hopefully we're eating their lunch while they're trying to get back up and running. Hey, Chris, thank you so much for joining us on the second episode of The Change Order. We're so lucky to have you. Um, you know, uh, I really, really appreciate you spending time with us, taking time out of your busy day working at Hatch. Um, yeah, I, I would love for you to explain uh, to our listeners what Hatch uh, does and how you have uh, how you kind of came up with the idea for Hatch. I think it's brilliant um, and I think everyone uh, should know about it. So yeah, give me a little bit about background on like what Hatch is and how you came up with it. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, first of all, thanks for having me, both you guys. Uh, excited to be here. Um, you know, our I'll start with our mission at, at Hatch is, is to help home improvement and home service companies drive revenue through meaningful conversations. And that word's important to us uh, and the revenue part, really. Um, and we do that through text, email, voice, and combine that with automation and the ability to take your data that sits in your business and do something smart with it. Uh, and so there's a lot of different use cases that people use our, our platform for, but ultimately it's about driving revenue for these businesses. 
Um, how we came up with the idea. Uh, I would love to say that it's like one day we we're sitting in a room like spitballing and, and it came out. It really wasn't like that at all. My co-founder and I uh, have worked together uh, almost a combined uh, like 15 years in the small, medium-sized business space. We spent a lot of time forming relationships and consulting with those folks. And one of those relationships was with a gentleman by the name of Patrick O'Toole, uh, who owns a home improvement company here in our home state of Virginia. And he, we were sitting down eating lunch. Um, I'm pretty sure it was chicken Parmesan. And we were talking about, yeah, great meal. And he was talking about his business problems. And he was like, listen, I've got this interesting problem where I'm growing the business, but 70% uh, of the customers that we give a quote to do not buy. But what's interesting to me is we, we have Salesforce and all these tools, but I don't know why they don't buy. So I go in, I run a report and it says um, customer, no response, customer never got back, uh, customer ghosted me, customer, you know, it, it was interesting. And he was like, you know, I bet if I talk to these people, I could get half of them. And so we just sort of made a bet and said, you know, I bet we could craft together some messaging and use some modern communication to figure that out. Long story short, we ended up putting together like a series of cadences that used data in Salesforce to talk to people about why they didn't move forward. And we got a 95% response rate. So we ended up like text, email, and voicing almost 100 customers. 95 pe people responded. Out of those 95, almost 60 of them gave some sort of feedback about price or experience like things that happened, the, the reason they didn't move forward. And we took all those responses and gave it to his sales management team. And they, uh, they ended up selling $400,000 in additional windows and doors, which is what his main business does is replacements. Uh, and they were able to do that in under 30 days, taking those responses and staying on that channel. So we were like, that's interesting. And that's when it, it wasn't like one moment, but that it definitely was like a high response rate. And then we started to ask other people that have businesses like his, like, is this a problem? And they all said yes. So that's how it started. And then we just ran from there. This was back in like 2018, early 2018. Wow. That's very cool. That's a huge number, really, based on just those homeowners alone. That's very, very yeah, cool. Yeah, it's, it's interesting. And they still use the platform today. And I can promise you the first version of it was embarrassing. But, <laughs> the but, one that, it, yeah. but they're, still, they're still driving revenue. And I think they use it for like five or six other different use cases. So they've been able to figure out like, how do I use this platform in other places? Where is communication also important, not just sales follow-up? And they've been able to, you know, drive a better experience for their customers all around thinking about it from a, you know, consumer standpoint. It's like, I mean, you guys know this, like if you buy something these days, right? It's just so much easier to do it over your phone or over text and then have meaningful conversations that lead to a sale much faster. That's what we've rec recognized. Absolutely. And I think you touched on a really important point where it's like, yes, it's important during the sales process, but it's also the entire process before selling that informs a lot of that homeowner experience. And when you see contractors, you know, I'm sure you speak with hundreds of thousands of contractors and their businesses. What's the biggest mistake that you see contractors make when they're communicating with their customers throughout the, their entire process? Um. Hmm, it's tough. I think the biggest mistake they make when communicating with their customers, I mean, I've got some early advice. I, I think I wish our buddy Pat would have known and seeing some 
other contractors along the way. But I think when it comes to like communicating with the customers, I think it's just the absence of doing it. It's the number one mistake. And it's because, especially now, because like these businesses are exploding. Um, but you know, you, you sell somebody on September one, they don't get an install until November 15th, but they don't hear from you at all. Or they submit a lead on their, on your website to be contacted. And it takes 48 hours to get back to that person. And it's because we're all running a million miles a minute and we're operating a business and running a business and making payroll and dealing with issues and all this stuff that sort of goes along with operating and running a business that uh, we take the communication piece for granted when it comes to, and it's, I don't think it's exclusive to home improvement, home services. I just think this is a business problem that a lot of people deal with, but especially in home improvement and in larger purchases. Like if I buy something for 30 K, like I want to be updated all the time. You know, it's like Amazon texts me every time it ships when it arrives to the warehouse, you know, you get all these updates and then it's like, um, I just see businesses sort of forget that part of the strategy. Cause it's all about getting the lead, getting the lead, getting the lead. And then, then what? Right. And there's like all this other stuff that happens. So wow. uh, that would be the, that would be one. But I would also say like for early on folks that are starting or like early on, is like making sure that you think about that for the future so that you're collecting all the right data on your customers so you can use it to be smart to educate them along the way. Because a lot of times what happens is, is these guys you know, are really good at replacement windows or roofs or doors, and they don't think about, wow, if I collect all that data, I can actually update this person about when we're in the neighborhood, when we're close, rescheduling, when that's uh, product's being delivered, all that stuff that you're gonna need once you grow the business. Totally. And like how they can sell into different verticals. Cause most contractors, you know, if they sell a roof for someone, maybe, you know, six months down the line, once they start selling gutters, they can go back if they have that information and that Intel on the customer and sell them new gutters as well. So upselling. That, into that, verticals. It's the, it's the cheapest way to grow the business. I mean, I, that's like the example I gave earlier. That's how Pat now uses the platform most of all, which is just constant communication guaranteed an extra 200, 300 grand a month. And it's, it's literally using data like that and saying, oh, you, you did windows. We noticed we were out your door. We should have a conversation. And then people are like, yeah. Or he uses it like financing. I think about you guys, which is like, hey, you're halfway paid through your financing. You now have more available. Why don't we talk about that door now? And it's so much easier and le less expensive to get those customers back in. Absolutely. And it will just ultimately increase your average job ticket size. You know, if you're sending your guys out there already to put a roof on a house, adding on gutters can what increase $5,000, $6,000 on that ticket and make it so much more profitable in the end for you as business. Yep, yes. 100%. And I like the idea of just maybe even the idea of over communicating with your customers to some extent, because that's what Amazon does, right? Like I'm notified on Amazon the same exact way you are. Like the minute it ships, when it arrives at my door, like when it leaves the warehouse. And I think we all expect that type of communication now. So when homeowners, especially with material delays that have been happening with contractors, when homeowners aren't communicated that those delays are happening, they're waiting for their package from Amazon at the door and they're confused where yeah. it is. So that's a super, yep. that's a really important call out. Yeah, totally. Uh, you know, to me, I think the, the, the thing that people maybe forget is like how important that nurturing aspect of like your communications is, um, you know, and it's really hard as like a, a, a solo operation, or maybe you have like four or five people on your team to be able to like do that kind of nurturing. Um, so, uh, you know, and I guess, uh, 
my question is like, you know, is this on the whole stack of technology that you need for your business? I mean, do you, we're, you know, and I, I think I know what your answer is going to be, but like, where would something like this, like in order of importance, right? You have the, you know, you have uh, QuickBooks or like some kind of like accounting software, you have something that helps you with your sales process, but like, you know, how important is something like a hatch um, for a business to be able to grow and actually like meet its metrics and goals? Yeah, I mean, I think that's a really good question. And without being uh, self-promoting, uh, I'm going to be completely transparent on this answer. Um, our best customers uh, start implementing Hatch around eight to 10 employees, which is super interesting to us. It kind of means that in the order of like, what software do I get first when I'm building a business, you probably need to start with QuickBooks and a CRM. Like that's just like table stakes, right? That's where you start and you start to build up uh, your database and your finances. Um, but once you get to eight to 10 people, something happens inside the business, which is you start delegating people to get back to your leads. You start asking your uh, a marketing person to market to your, to your leads and denurturing. And that's when a platform like ours goes into the tech stack and starts to deliver an ROI. And then the larger you get, it's just that much more important because every employee you add actually adds a level of confusion for your consumer uh, because it's a different message. They're all different people. They have different backgrounds. And so uh, you might have Tommy, who was your best sales rep, who was all, all followed up with every quote, and left the house, was a one call closer at 80%. But trust me, as you add three and four and five sales reps, like that changes. And as you buy more lead aggregates, that changes. And uh, once you start offering financing and all the stuff that you're doing inside your business, you want to be able to, um, you know, control the strategy uh, so that you're getting an ROI and see all that stuff. So then you start looking at platforms like marketing automation and communication uh, platforms to put in your your tech stack uh, because you know you need to invest in that level to continue to be profitable. Uh, or else, what happens is you, you you start spending more money but not make more money. I don't know if that makes sense. And so you, you start investing in things to measure and look at things like what we do, which is like reply rate, response time, um, you know, being smart about how you're nurturing your database and what's the ROI you're getting from it, all that stuff. So I hope that's helpful. I don't know. That's what you're asking. No, that was, um, yeah. That's super helpful. Yeah. And uh, we brought this up in the episode with Steve a little bit, but like um, there's so much time wasted collecting on payments. Uh, and I think that's like super interesting for me just as a like, there's a ton of accounts receivable out there for a lot of the contractors that, you know, are with Hearth, not with Hearth, with Hatch, not with Hatch, like Hatch, there's, you know, there's a lot of that out there. Uh, do you have any advice for people who are trying to kind of like get that back and how maybe they can automate a little bit of that? Um, just like, I'm trying to, I guess I'm trying to tie it back to our last conversation, but, you know, like, is there any advice for someone who may just have a lot of like things that are just pending out there in is there any technology that you recommend or any tactics that you recommend? Yeah, I mean, I can tell you that what what we see in our platform is that most people buy us in the beginning for like uh, sales follow-up and what we call speed to lead. It's the idea that if you're the first person to talk to a lead and have a meaningful conversation, it'll become an appointment. But what we've noticed, especially over COVID, is that people are using us for all these different use cases. And one of them is being accounts receivable. 
Um, and so I can just, I can, I can give you some advice based on the data that we're seeing, which is one, if you automate, automate that it's guaranteed to happen every time. Two is, uh, using channels that people prefer to communicate on. And, um, this one's going to be captain obvious, but it's not the phone as much anymore. And so what's happening is a lot of these businesses, um, you know, spent 9am to 10am just smiling and dialing like, Hey, you know, you owe us $10,000. We haven't got the payment yet. Um, and, and we're seeing that the best performance is coming from text message where you're targeting people that are coming up on 10 days, you know, maybe delinquent on paying something, or maybe, you know, you're just, it's accounts receivable. It's a natural part of the business. And they're able to go from something like maybe 10 and 15% of all of their revenue tied up in accounts receivable to like two or 3%. Like that's a big deal for cash flow uh, because, you know, contractors like you, you don't get you it's half up front and half when you're done and you know you, you you're not getting cash flow positive until you collect all on all that money and so i think my two pieces of advice are find a way to automate it so you guarantee that it's happening and you're not relying on a person to remember to call the person to collect on that stuff and then um use a method like like texting so if anything use that people respond to it at least you'll get a response and you'll you'll start to be able to know like are these people going to pay or not? You know, what's the, what's the level of risk here totally. for my accounts receivable? I think it's also interesting. The idea of like using a, a couple of different channels to communicate with homeowners, you know, texting, email, I've even seen contractors starting to utilize like Facebook messaging, which I think is really interesting way to kind of do lead generation as well, but making sure that when you're reaching out to customers, it's not just picking up the phone and calling them. Absolutely. Yeah. And I think it's like 96% of people read every text message they receive which I, I believe that's the, that's the statistic, but it's staggering. It makes you realize that should be the main form of communication to some extent. It, it, it should. And what I'll say is like, make it personal. And, you know, if you say something like, um, hey, Sarah, we love doing doing your, your the job for you. Your house was awesome. Um, it looks like there's a balance on there. Let us know if there's any way we can help. You'll get it. Like, you'll be like people respond. And so we see very high response rates when you personalize it. You, Again, using data to be smart about how you're sending those messages. So it's not like, hey, you owe us money. It's more like, hey, like we didn't receive something. Some wires got crossed somewhere. Talk to us. You know, where are you in the process? And all of a sudden you're collecting more money you ever had before. So pretty cool. I think there's something to say about also from like a like maybe like a branding marketing aspect of like a, the usefulness of an automated system like this, because you do get that um, that kind of like that word of mouth like advertising so it's like if i get an ex like you know if i i'm looking at siting for my house currently and i get someone who's like really communicative and just like really on top of it even even if i know the messages are automated like i'm just like oh i'm getting updates i'm getting some kind of like notification i'm much more likely to be like hey these guys do. were great the work was yep. great but also the customer experience was great um so i think that's that's something super cool um to really like I don't know. Just think about, you know, because the consistency is key, right? Well, I think it's just like, you know, I mean, we talked about this before, but Amazon sort of set our expectations for we, what we expect a buying experience to be. And you're starting to get that anywhere you go. I just bought like a love sack couch. Have you guys ever seen these love sack couches? They're called, yeah, I they're have, called sectionals. I have, called sectionals. I'm so jealous. Yeah. I, I, I'm, so my kids, they like crushing. Anyway, I did it, but I've got a text like along the way, which is like, Hey, welcome to the family. Then it's like, hey, uh, you know, your product hasn't shipped yet, but here's like images of what it's going to look like in your living room. And like, I get to click like so that 
it's like the experience. I, and I went to the mall to buy it and I'm getting this whole like sort of update with different dates. Now it comes in different pieces and parts. So it's telling me like, you'll receive like the pillows on this date and then this on this date. And it's like, okay, I just spent five grand, I, I, but I feel really good about it. And so like next time I need to buy a couch, I'll probably hit up love sack. And so I think there's something to be said about just like the level of expectation that is out there for even the smallest of business now to be communicative along the way. And I will say like part of what we recognize too, is that like customers, then you build a behavior of them wanting to communicate over text. So as, as these businesses are implementing this stuff automated, you got to give people a way to, to talk to you because they're going to want to text back. And so that's super important to remember that I think, um, cause I've seen a lot of businesses just do the automated thing and then their customers go into a black hole of responses and it goes nowhere. And like you're buying siding, you probably want to be able to text back and be like, oh man, like don't come today, right? I'm sick. Like let's reschedule for Friday. And so being able to do that over multiple uh, channels is where I think these companies are going to win the next, next three years. And I will say uh, as a millennial and as uh, someone who is Zoomer adjacent, because I am on TikTok, I will say I'm terrified of phone calls. Uh, and I'd never want to speak to anyone <laughs> over the phone. And I think from a generational standpoint, I think that's super important. You know, uh, if you're thinking about people who have been in the, the, the game for 20 years, you know, they're still going to use the phone. You know, they're going to call you. I mean, I had someone do my HVAC and he was like calling me like three times, four times a day. And I was like, come on, bro, just text me, please. And, yeah, like I'm uh, working. And I work from home now, yeah. too. So, it's even, yeah, it's like, yep. So I think from a from a longevity standpoint, doing something over text, email, something that's a little bit more automated or even just investing in that, you're investing in your company's future as well because you'll have that kind of like cool techie like, oh, yeah, he's he's on it, man. He's or this person's on it like he's got, you know, got all this set up and it's great. So anyway, I'm stepping all over Sarah's toes because she's ready for the next question. No, you're totally fine. Go for it. <laughs> Chris, we'll just kind of wrap up with a, a question that's fairly broad, but I think you might have interesting answer to, uh, which would be, what is one unconventional piece of advice that you've ever received that you thought was super valuable and kind of have carried with you through your professional or personal life? One piece of advice. Um, yeah, uh, our company went through an incubator um, called Y Combinator out in San Francisco. And uh, the idea just being that, hey, let's get surrounded by other people that are trying to do the same thing, which is build a pretty significant sized business and learn from them. And the piece of advice that I got, that's like a mantra there is, you know, do things that, that don't scale. And I think when I first started my business, um, you know, you have these grand visions of like what it can be and how big it can be and all this other stuff. But the key is, is to do little things, experiment, learn from them, iterate, and then find stuff that gets big and, and scales up. And I think it applies to really like any business or person or somebody that may listen to this and say, Hey, like I'm thinking about starting a home improvement company, which is like, you know, just go get one job. Don't think about if you had 30 or 40 or 50 a month, but just get your first one then get your second one, learn from it because you will do things wrong because I did. <laughs> and then, you know, apply that and then think about scale once you figure out a rinse and repeatable process. And it stuck with me. And I think, you know, I, I tell my team even now, and we're like 60 people, it's like uh, still do things that don't scale, figure out uh, how, how to help our customers as best we can, prove our theories, and then build out a way to make it really big. So that's always helpful to me. 
the try everything uh, school of thought is I, I love that. I'm actually currently in that where I'm just like, oh, hey, let's try this. Let's try this because, you know, a um, little inside baseball for our listeners. Uh, but, you know, like contractors are hard to reach. They're a hard to reach group because they're so busy. Small business people. I've been working with them for seven years, eight years at this point. They're so hard to reach because they're so spread thin. Um, and it's hard to get in that mentality where like, I need to try something new because it's like, what I'm doing is working right now. I can't, I, I just, I don't want to. Um, but like, you know, you wouldn't have had this, you know, great success with Hatch. And we, we wouldn't see all of these uh, contractors out there have all of the success trying something new like Hearth or trying something new like, you know, your product to go and get each scale and get bigger. And um, so I, I totally love that advice. I'm so uh, happy that you uh, came through and, and spoke with us, and I hope uh, people can, can get a lot out of this conversation. Chris, uh, thank you so much. Sarah, thank you so much. Of course. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks for having me, guys. This was really fun.